stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone. Monza came around and the Iceman cometh and then falleth. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 158 of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighbourhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison. Pleasure to be back with you as always. It is an absolutely heaped, brilliant weekend of motorsport, I must say. Uh, both main events are uh, fantastic, I have to say, um, for entertainment value. I mean, God, the best Italian Grand Prix I can remember in living memory, that's for sure. Um, and, of course, IndyCar at Portland as well. So much so, it's a double episode recording this week. So, you'll be recording 158 and 159 later this week at the same time. They will both drop this week. And, uh, yeah, a lot of reason to be excited because we, we've got an awful lot to get through. So, without further ado, let's introduce the rest of the guys on the show. As always, Mr. Ryan King, hello, sir. Hello, um... Yeah, uh, what happened, Kimmy? He was blocked by your mans. <laughs> King, don't get your mans. Whoa, whoa. He's ruining it. He, he's ruining it for everyone. <laughs> he's just doing his job. He's just doing his job. Yes, the man that got upset about being called a wingman six weeks ago is out, out here doing precisely that. <laughs> Thanks a bunch, Valtteri. Judas. Judas Valtteri will now be his name on this show. <laughs> or, you know, I might go better. I might go one better. I might call him Brutus. Brutus Bottas. There we go. <laughs> King, you're going to get roasted in a minute. Enjoy Whoa, the show. He's not that much my guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> you are guilty via association, and the only way to get to him is through you. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! But um, as welcome, welcome them back after a week out. Welcome back, Mr. R.J. O'Connell, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Yeah, Prussia could actually sup one. And I've also had a fun weekend in Atlanta this past week. Um, Smackdown. How was Dragon Con, sir? Um, it was it was a lot of convention. I will I will be completely honest. Like I was taken aback by how much the sprawl of this con goes across. Four different hotels and uh, and Jesus. a two building trade convention center. Yeah, it's nuts. And consider the fact that it's also happening during the middle of college football kickoff week with a major televised game in Atlanta at the same time happening just a few blocks down the road. So you get all of that in just one kind of basic area in the city. It was a lot. It was also an excuse to go see Part of All In. And uh, without spoiling too much, for those who've not seen it, I'll just say two things. Dick Druids, you're welcome. <laughs> also, Stephen Amell was a much better wrestler than people give him credit for, for a television actor. And Kenny yes. Omega versus Pentagon Jr. met and exceeded all expectations. And look, the yes. world's coolest dad even showed up to pay a visit. Yay. All good times for all involved as we go all in on the 2018 Italian Grand Prix in just Whoa. a minute. Let's see what I did there? Let's see what I did hey. there? Uh, uh, uh. Trey's hip with the children's. Oh yes, I'm down with the kids in it. <laughs> even though, even though I'm the, even though when it comes to age, I'm the middle child on this show. Uh, 
Amazing how that turns out. But, <laughs> anywho, without further ado, places you can find us real quick, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell. Um... And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and our sister show, Bike Live. Bike Live episode 75 went live this past weekend as well. As somehow, me and Lewis Siderby managed to go 105 minutes on a podcast about a race that didn't exist. You're acting like this was not, like, the most consequential thing to happen in MotoGP for, like, two decades. Try four. It was the first cancelled weekend since 1980, ladies and gentlemen. That's um, right, folks. MotoGP is hashtag cancelled. <laughs> ironically, that was also the name of the episode. But, uh, yes, we, me and Lewis Sudderby broke down all the actions, the timeline, the consequences of what was probably the most newsworthy and ridiculous weekend I've ever seen as a MotoGP fan as how the British Grand Prix at Silverstone got got cancelled and the knock-on effect of that as well because uh, since since the recording of that episode it now turns out two there's been two other major developments number one British Superbikes who are racing there this weekend for their showdown finale um, for the championship. Basically, them setting the showdown six in place for the second half of the championship season with Leon Haslam and Jake Dixon already confirmed in. Still four places to fill. Um, they're now racing on the national layout rather than the full Grand Prix circuit. Just in case. Which... <laughs> Which kind of says it all, really. That uh, welcome them, to them. the home of British motorsport. Yeah, Grade <laughs> One listed Silverstone, everybody. Yeah, national layout for the, uh, the for the biggest domestic racing series you, ha- you have not named the British Touring Car Championship. Yes, national layout for the British Superbike Championship this weekend. Um, which uh, again, again, given that's their last round as well before the showdown, that is a massive weekend and. Uh, yeah, of course, better that than no weekend racing at all, but still uh, another embarrassment for Silverstone already. And it turns out Aggregate UK, the guys that did the resurfacing, are actually out here trying to press charges against journalist Matt Oxley for slander. <laughs> I'm not making this shit up. Oh my fucking God. Yeah, yeah. wild. Yeah, if, if you haven't seen it, go follow Matt Oxley on Twitter, at M-A-T-O-X-L-E-Y, and you can see the thread of people panning the resurfacing as evidence against them. It's a thing of beauty, I have to say, uh, because... I could just imagine, like, some random person out in front of their offices and, like, full Willy Wonka get-up going, and, like, Hey, you there, come with me <laughs> to a world of unforeseen undulations. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to be fair, it's Silverstone. You're you're not gonna get much undulation out of there. <laughs> no, it's 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 not exactly a spa, unfortunately, for better or worse. But uh, all of that on episode seventy-five, the diamond of Bike Live. Shame there wasn't any re- any real racing to talk about. But still, um, the news was a. Uh, <laughs> Worthy enough, shall we say, of a lengthy discussion anyway. Oh, and the big news about Alvaro Bautista going to World Superbikes as well. (laughs) Alvaro in red. Nice. Um, All of that and a lot more on episode 75 of Bike Live, available right now. So, after this quick musical interlude, we'll be back with you to review the 2018 Italian Grand Prix. And oh boy, it was a doozy of a weekend. 
Also, quick note while this segment started up again, we, I didn't forgot, forgot to mention it in the intro. RJ's got a new written blog out on motorsport101.com, our website, talking about a certain Formula 2 race winner from this past weekend. More on that in a bit. Check it out on the blog section of our site. But uh, yes, the 2018 Italian Grand Prix. And, you know, like, fellas, can, can I tell you a little secret? Mm-hmm. Yep. Can, we, can, we, can we all? Yeah, you know, we're, we're all friends here. We've all known each other for a long time. You <laughs> yeah, know. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's gather around here. Yeah, just King, bring it in. Yeah. This is a uh, no shame zone. Yeah, King. I, 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 I've been friends with for six years now, and uh, guys, I, I made a I made a terrible error. Mistakes were certainly made this weekend. I was I was on the narcotic. I relapsed. I just <laughs> I, I I I I drank the snapple and. Thought it's it could be a home win. Ferrari's not had a home win since 2010, and I was like, "This is the one." We've got good engine power. Like it looks like Ferrari genuinely might have the best car now. I was I was all in on the narcotic this weekend. I was like, "Come on, let's take Italy and take the fight to Lewis." And oh fuck, <laughs> it all went to shit real quick, didn't it? Um. It, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, incidents that led up to this uh, shit show of a weekend, but uh, we got to break it down first up with qualifying here because uh, it, it it started back through there. It was a very entertaining qualifying session, I must say. Eighty um, percent risk of rain, my ass. First of all, um, <laughs> not a drop on circuit. Um, but uh, Q Q one was 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 incredible. Such a spectacle, guy. You know it's a good one when you have the hard camera over the start finish line, just watching all the cars go by, setting times, and seeing how the tower goes up and down. That's how you know it's a bit too crazy for the TV directors to follow. But um, the big one through Q one, the big surprise, Sergio Perez getting knocked out in the opening round in in sixteenth uh, place. Um, yeah, yeah, that was not the good. That was not the best move from uh, from our friends at Racing Point. We'll get better. You see what happens, RJ? They have a really good opening weekend. We name a podcast after them. It all goes to their heads. You look what happens. You see, you see, you see. It's all gone that to their sophomore heads. slump. <laughs> yep, sophomore slump. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But uh, it, I mean, to be fair, Racing Point were very nearly okay on this one. Perez got knocked out of Q1 by one thousandth of a second. Um, the literal slimmest of margins. And Charles Leclerc as well was another thousandth behind him um, <laughs> in, six, in 17th place. It was such a close session. Um, the midfield was uh, as close as you like um, during that one. Maybe a little too close. Yeah, as, uh, as it caused some upsets. And... Uh, Remember that it becomes important later um, because uh, it got heated again in Q2. But to put it into perspective, in, in Q1 um, for you know, for that, like we had one, two, three, four, five, six dudes all in like the one twenty one eight. It was so close. Um, so, you know, Grosjean twenty one eight. You know, you had Gasly twenty one eight, Stroll twenty one eight. Sorokin 21.8, Alonso 21.8, Hulkenberg 21.8, Perez and Leclerc had one 21.8, Hartley had a 21.9, it was that close, it was utterly ridiculous. Um, but uh, yeah, the Perez was the big surprise getting knocked out 
in Q1. Both Williams made it into Q2, which was a big deal for them as well. Stoffel van Dorn dropped F-bombs after finding out he qualified at the bottom of the board again. Um, remember that. It also becomes important later. Most likely in episode 159. Just, you know, there's, there's your plug for the next show too. Um, but, uh, yeah, Q2 happens. And, uh, King, we had some gamesmanship around the Parabolica and the rundown to turn one between, uh, Two of the biggest racing egos in the field. <laughs> oh. Do, 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 do we have to? <laughs> RJ, do you want to take this one? <laughs> um, as I as I stall for time here, so this is uh, Kevin Magnuson and Fernando Alonso um, handbags at dawn during Q2. Um they run into each other, and Magnuson drops some very spicy post-race, post-qualifying quotes after the race. Um, Alonzo, um, Alonzo got past my Ma Magnuson on the run-up to the final corner. Instead of slowing down for himself to create a gap in zone, Alonzo immediately chased Magnuson down the long run to turn run, pulled up alongside him, and tried to pass Magnuson around the outside, costing them both a chance to move into Q3. Um, Kevin Madison kept uh, noted no time Grand Prix winner Kevin Madison. <laughs> oh, there we go. Very spicy quotes, including, including he thinks he's God, but no way. That... Obviously, he got a perfect slipstream and thought he could overtake into turn one, but I'd rather hang myself. <laughs> oh no! He came to me after qualifying and laughed in my face, just outright disrespectful. I can't wait for him to retire. We had a very good uh, discussion about um, about you know. Kevin Madison throwing some pro wrestling back into some back in some of this Formula One, which I think is, I don't think he's very, I don't think he's Ric Flair, but I do think he's like some some new guy out of NXT that's just like attacking some some hotshot veteran, just like on a first yeah in the comedy. It's like a Kevin yeah. Owens type of character going after John. Yeah, Cesar. apparently what had happened here was that uh, they were both fighting for the same piece of road on their outlaps and Magnuson had, had uh, overtaken Alonso at the Parabolica before it. Alonso wanted revenge by going around the outside of turn one and subsequently fucked both their laps up. Um, Nando, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> basically. Drive, driving every session like it paid a million dollars to win. It doesn't pay anything to win. No. Uh, I, I, I see Nando is clearly in uh, give no fucks mode at the moment, which I think is quite funny, but also quite stupid. And the one guy you don't want to tangle with in those sorts of situations is Kevin Magnuson, who always backs down from aggressive confrontations. The the amount of fucks given in that confrontation is like in the negative. Yeah, minus 46 was my last count. Um, so, so that was funny. Um... Alonso, I, I think Alonso had the funny of the radio message where he just goes, I think it's something along the lines of, uh, ah, Magnuson tried to lace! <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Um, but that was that was dramatic enough as it was. But hey, good news coming out of the coming out of the of the minor garages. Lance Stroll and Pierre Gasly both making it into Q3. <laughs> First time this season Lance has made Q3. Um, Pierre Gasly in that Honda-powered Toro Rosso making it in as well. Phenomenal effort from both those two. They would end up on row 5, 9th and 10th respectively for Gasly and Stroll. So yeah, top job from those two guys um, there to get into Q3. I mean, Williams does always have a card that tends to be strong in a straight line. And, uh, you know, 
less twisty stuff certainly helps. And, uh, yeah. So, as I mentioned, as also may have missed as well, Daniel Ricciardo only took part in Q1 because they had the brand new C-Spec engine put in for the car. They took an engine penalty anyway. Ricciardo just ran Q1. Obviously, Horner wanted the free tyre choice, so there's no point in running into uh, further sessions on that one. So, yeah, Ricciardo would end up starting, I believe, from, I think it was 17th on the grid after all the penalties. Um, Hulkenberg had replaced an entire power unit because he had a 10-place grid drop going back from yeah. the last round. Ricardo and Hulkenberg were, Ricardo and Hulkenberg were like the back row. Indeed. Marcus Ericsson also had a 10-place grid penalty for go, going... Oh, yeah. Over. We forgot to mention Ericsson had a massive rollover on Friday. Yes, he did. Um, his, his DRS stuck open, and so too did Nico Hulkenberg's on Saturday free practice. Yeah, because re- reviewing the, the rearward-facing onboard footage, it looked like their rear wings opened when the DRS opened. And then opened a bit more, yeah, so when it tried to close, it just couldn't close. <laughs> yep. Oh, exactly. That like 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 it overopened, and then when the time they broke it, the ring was still open. The next thing you know, Mark Saint- Marcus Ericsson is pulling twenty eight G when he hits the wall at one hundred and fifty miles an hour. Luckily, Marcus uh. was okay. Um, walked away from that one just fine, thankfully. But uh, Q three happened. Q three was interesting. Um, everybody gets their usual, you know, base runs in. It's very close, about a tenth and a half covering the top three. And, like, I knew some shit was going on here, right? When, out of the pit lane with two minutes to go... Wait, is that Sebastian Vettel coming out in front of Kimi Raikkonen? Um, fellas, what's going on here? And, uh, we had a fantastic final 15 second sequence going over the line when, uh... Bottas doesn't improve on position. He's, he's, a, he's a stone dead fourth here. Hamilton goes over the line, goes faster. Vettel goes faster still by 14 thousandths of a second. It would been close between them all weekend long. Vettel just comes out on top by about four inches. And then Kimi Raikkonen sets a 119.119, which is significant for two reasons. Not only is it a new track record for Monza, it is also the fastest official lap in the history of of Formula One, um, an average speed of 163 miles an hour, um, beating the all-time record of 119.6 that came from Juan Pablo Montoya back, I think it was 2003, I want to say that was. Um, I'm, sh- I'm yeah. sure someone is always great yes. me if I'm wrong. But. Let, us all revel, let us all revel in the fact that a V6 hybrid is now definitively faster than a V10 Formula One there's a lot of There's a lot of like millennial F1s fans right now <laughs> pulling out violins and sobbing to themselves in the corner in the fetal position and i love it um (laughs) um i was you know what i was so conflicted during that qualifying session i was sitting there i was like that'll beat hamilton awesome hamilton's now on row two raikkonen (laughs) (laughs) and i was like oh i don't know how i feel about that now um Uh, (laughs) i was like okay this is what this won't happen in the race right this will be fine you know, I can live with this. You know, Raikkonen's been driving well most of the season. You know, he's been kind of due one of these. And it was kind of cool. He had the fastest ever F1 lap, which, you know, is kind of funny. There's no way this is going to have an effect on the race, right? Also, by the also by the way, hilarious radio message after qualifying of uh, Kimi Raikkonen saying, Yes, Kimi, you are on pole. And then Kimi's response, thank you. And that was it. <laughs> no celebration, no fist bump. 
Nothing. Just a thank you. And thank you. That, that, that was it. Like, Kimi Raikkonen living up to his reputation there as being the, ex- the most exciting man. How does this man have fans? Um, I, don't, I do not understand it. Uh, as Cam puts in Discord, Dre just ripped the bandage off. <laughs> okay, okay. Race day happens. It's like Raikkonen... Sunday morning. Yes, uh, Raikkonen gets a great launch off the line. I was kind of hoping for 2015 for a second there. Um, yeah, Kimi Raikkonen, who, who cannot gain a place off the starting grid. He literally can't because we all forget, hey, if he at least holds, he's doing his job. Indeed. He held into turn one very well, actually. Got a good second phase off the start as well. Um, he, he drove off into the lead. There's a run down through Curva Grande towards turn four. And, uh, wait, what's that Mercedes doing there? Oh, no. Oh, no! <laughs> Not again! Marcus Ericsson, why have you done this to me? Um, no. Um, <laughs> yes, the two, t- the two title contenders, Hamilton and Vettel, make contact at turn four. Vettel spins off, breaks a chunk of his front wing. Safety card, vir- virtual safety card deployed. Um... As you can imagine, I was a bit pissed. I literally put a tweet out seconds afterwards saying, and I quote, the sky is falling. If anyone's, <laughs> if anyone's ever seen the poker episode of uh, John Boys is Pretty Good, you know exactly the reference I'm talking about here. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, mm. Well, when they had their dust up at uh, Variante del Roche, I mean, to uh, to borrow a uh, to borrow an infamous Brendelism, it this was kind of six dozen of one, half dozen of the other. Um, they were going for real estate. Uh, Hamilton had to make a desperate move to get around Vettel. Vettel had to make a desperate move to stay ahead of Hamilton, knowing that Hamilton was probably not going to let him through at this rate. Uh, there was just barely enough room but not really enough for both of them and Vettel ends up getting the shit out of the stick out of that that is the fifth time by the way this year uh that Vettel has lost a front wing in a wreck yeah the fifth time since Canada 2017 so almost a calendar season it's a bit more than a season it's about 27 races from last count and uh yeah, since then, Canada 2017, fourth. Singapore 2017, well, we all know how that one ended. Um, Mexico 2017, Verstappen clips him, finished fourth on the day. France 2018, this year, Paul Ricard came back to finish in fifth after getting the 10-second time penalty for ramming into the back of Valtteri. And this one, of course, Vettel would come back to finish in fourth. Worth mentioning as well, in four of those five races mentioned, Lewis Hamilton would go on to win. Again, remember that it becomes important later. Um, so, yeah, for what it's worth, racing incident, in my humble opinion, I like a lot of people were, of course, firing up my mentions like, ah, oh, there's no way that's Hamilton's fault. And I was like, guys, no, I, I didn't think it was Hamilton's fault either. If, if, if anything, I think it was more towards Sebastian on that one for putting his car in a silly position in turn four. Um, I don't know what he was doing on that one. I think. Like, it's, it's annoying because, like, some of the media came out with narratives after Paul Ricard this season that, oh, Vettel's clumsy on the starts and Vettel's clumsy into turn one. And I was like, really? This guy has gained so many places off the front row from getting better launches as well. And I thought the good outweighed the bad. I hate it when the media ends up being kind of right on this one because there is something to that. Like, Seb is a little bit clumsy on the opening lap and... 
Oh, it's frustrating. It is frustrating because it just feels like... You know it's not a good sign when you wake up in the morning, right? You, and you see... You, you log onto your YouTube on your TV and you see on the top of the page... Our friends at the Pit Lane Podcast... Hi, Tom. I know you're listening. Um, had a thumbnail of Vettel keeps making mistakes. And I'm like... <laughs> but they're not wrong. They're not wrong. And yeah, like... <sighs> It's frustrating. It is frustrating because these little mistakes keep adding up. Like you can run down the list. Baku, he probably sh- he probably broke about five meters too late for turn one, trying to go for a glory move on Valtteri for the win. It cost him points because it dropped him down to fourth. You know that could have been a win. You know we we, we all mentioned the heartbreak of Germany. You could go back to Hungary where the team somewhat screwed up on that one. You know, Paul Riccardi drives into the back of Valtteri and that cost him points. And this is another minor mistake. And it may, it, it also kind of made me realise that even when Lewis Hamilton doesn't have an impossibly good car, which is what he's had for the most part for the last three years, um, he doesn't make mistakes like that anymore. He's virtually bulletproof and that's what kind of makes him so good because... Like okay, like I made I made this point to my brother when talking about the race when I got in from work that day, and I put it to you guys here and in the Discord. When was the last time Lewis Hamilton had a time penalty for for bad driving? I can't recall off the top of my head. I <laughs> I can't even recall it either. See my point? I, I literally cannot. Yeah, yeah. That that's a point taken. That's a very good point taken. Yeah, you probably would have to go back to 2011 on that one. Like Lewis Hamilton. He's not the super aggressive passer he was in his early McLaren days, but he's now just a driver that is the complete package. He just doesn't make mistakes like that anymore. He just like he doesn't he he, he doesn't make errors on track. He you you now have to be flawless to beat Lewis Hamilton, even if the car is maybe a tenth or two quicker. Like that yeah. that's 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 yeah. what makes Lewis him so Hamilton good. Lewis Hamilton is many things. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton is many things. He is a he is a flashy, eccentric character with a lot of bravado. He is at times a very bad loser, but the one thing that he is not is a ragged driver, especially not nowadays. Mm-hmm. Shoo. <sighs> yeah. Jesus. Um it's it's not pretty, to say the least. And uh yeah, like that might be the difference between, you know, but hey, Kimi Raikkonen still out in front, you guys. Ferrari still got a chance to win this Italian Grand Prix. Yeah, that was the that was the one reprieve. Like, okay, okay Raikkonen re- maintained the lead. He had, he had a pretty bad safety car restart, to be honest. He went, he probably went a little bit too soon coming off the Ascari um, chicane and whatnot. And you know, Lewis makes a move into turn one, gets it. Raikkonen gets him right back at turn four. When trust me, the roar coming from the Tafosi from the stands as, as Raikkonen makes the move for the lead was amazing I have to say like that was uh... yeah for as much as we've dunked on Monza for being a track with all this lineage and history and the racing's kind of crap those like couple lap sequences were possibly better than anything out of the last two years mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, it, it, it was amazing. Like the, the the pole lap as well from Raikkonen, and you know, to be fair, also seeing like Mintu, his wife, celebrate with the team as well was genuinely quite heartwarming. She was in tears. It was a very emotional weekend for dear Kimmy um, on that one. But uh, yeah, that was a very cool moment to hear the fans 
go go ballistic as Raikkonen uh, made his move around the outside of turn four under breaking on Lewis to, to retake the lead. Now, the story of the race got more interesting. The strategy came into play. It's Monza. It's always going to be a one-stop around here. Um, tire wear is... End of lap 21. End of lap 21. End of lap 21. Mm-hmm. Raikkonen comes into the pits for his stop to switch over onto the prime compound. Uh, Mercedes also have their pit crew out, but Lewis Hamilton doesn't come in. People were kind of upset saying that, oh, man, Mercedes should... They should really drop the hammer on Mercedes for for trying to fake out Ferrari and like yeah, Ferrari even filed a complaint about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Mercedes themselves were just like, no, actually, we wanted Lewis to come in. He just didn't do it. <laughs> he just apparently not a, new. Apparently not new. <laughs> not for the first time this season. But um, the thing is, apparently, it was a, a a reverse call. So in other words, do the opposite of what Raikkonen was going to do. If Raikkonen came in stay out if Raikkonen stays out you pit basically it was a reverse there call. was also the uh yeah there was also the looming threat of of potential rain clouds this was another rain is coming in 15 minutes sort of race yes so naturally it stayed bone dry of course but Lewis Hamilton was going to stay out just in case it started raining um because he didn't want to end up having to take an extra stop and eventually he comes in at the end of lap 28 mm-hmm yeah, he comes in seven laps later. They try the overcut. It didn't work. Raikkonen was putting in purple sectors left and right. Um, Hamilton eventually pits, comes out about four or five seconds behind. Um, the overcut did not work. Dot, dot, dot. Or did it? Call forth Ryan King and the Great Wall of Valtteri Bottas. Uh, it's, it's, it's your moment, King. Take your sp- is it is it really my moment though? Take your place on the throne of mediocrity, <laughs> because to set the scene here, there is only one front-running driver. By the time Hamilton and Vettel, yeah, Vettel had to take a second stop at the end of lap twenty-nine. So after all the front runners have come out, there is one person who has not yet stopped, and that is Valtteri Bottas, who has the lead of the race. He is holding the lead on merit. He is not entitled to give up this position, but he is going to pit soon. Valtteri, who rec- who has recently said that he is not going to be the wingman for Mercedes, that there is just no way he is going to be the wingman, and then earlier this week announced that you know, maybe he would be fine taking on a uh, Mercedes really want him to take on a number two role. And Valtteri came out over the weekend and said he was willing to play team orders to help Lewis win the title. So what was all that? What, what, all of, what was this, all, co- all of what, this could have King, been. King, what was what was all that talk six weeks ago about him being upset about being called a wingman by his own boss? Huh? 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 <laughs> did did he get the talk from Toto in the back? Is that it? <laughs> Probably. I mean that you know he doesn't stand a chance of winning the championship. Man's out here making yeah, jokes. Well, this could be. <laughs> yeah, it could have been much different had things gone a little bit differently in Baku and that tire had not come apart, but. Now he's kind of stuck in a spot where all he can do is play support. Yep. And that's exactly what he did. He backed up the wagon against uh, Kimi Raikkonen, who was uh, was hard charging, but was arguably charging a little bit too hard because by the time he got up to the back of Valtteri's car, there was a big blister on the rear rear tire of, of Raikkonen's car. And Raikkonen could not, for the life of him, find a way around Valtteri. Not the first time a Ferrari struggled to pass Valtteri in the last couple of years. <laughs> you know, it, it's becoming a bit of a worrying trend these days. But uh, hey, that, that's racing for you. 
As a result, it back, you know, it brings Lewis Hamilton back into play. Valtteri gets out of the way eventually for his one scheduled stop, and it clears the path eventually for Lewis Hamilton to uh, put on a pretty a pretty daring move by Lewis's standards into turn one for what and eventually would end up being the race victory after Kimi had completely boned his tyres running behind Valtteri for that long. Um, so, uh, yeah. King, what's up with your mans? I don't know. Don't 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 put this on me. I'm like, he's your man's. I'm putting this on you. If Sebastian is out here struggling, yeah, I'm taking everybody down here with me. <laughs> it's King's fault. <laughs> whoa, whoa! <laughs> like, it's King's fault. Fernando Alonso had an electric failure, so, so RJ's get RJ's off the hook this week, despite his ball driving like a pillock in qualifying. Sebastian made a silly mistake and that ended up costing him yet more points in a race he should have really won, right? King, you're not exempt from this. Why is your man so mediocre around here this weekend? <laughs> Why was he mediocre last weekend? Why was he mediocre the weekend before that? Ladies and gentlemen... It... There was no weekend before that. They were on summer break. Ladies and gentlemen, we have returned to the Valtteri Bottas mid-season slump. It is back with a vengeance. <laughs> How is this? It's not even that much of a slump. He came away with a podium finish out of this. <laughs> yeah. And this was after a dust-up with Mats Verstappen. Oh, oh, oh boy. Uh, yeah. Mats Verstappen got himself in trouble again. Stop me if you've heard this one before, kids, but guess who turned in the braking zone again? That's right, it's Max Verstappen, the guy who does not learn. Um, yes, he did fight between Valtteri Bottas and Max Verstappen in the fight for the last spot on the podium. To be fair, well done to Red Bull for punching above their weight to even be contending for a podium in this scenario, given they basically had no rear wings. Um, it was it was literally about the size of a piece of fiberglass. It was nothing. Um, but uh, uh, turns out Max got a little bit too creative with his defensive moves. He turns into the breakings and he squeezes eases Valtteri on the outside of turn one um, and uh, as a result makes contact puts Bottas into a minor spin and as a result Max Verstappen gets a five second time penalty which would eventually drop him from third down to fifth um, behind Valtteri and Sebastian Vettel yeah he was not happy with this on the radio after being told uh, even his race engineer was just like don't worry about it, Mats. Um, just uh, just keep your focus. He's just like, no, don't tell me to keep focus. They're killing the racing with this kind of Max, crap. you turned into him. Like, in a braking zone. Like, wh what more do we have to tell you? How many times is Verstappen going to keep doing this till he finally fucking learns his lesson? This is not NASCAR. You cannot turn into people into a braking zone. It is extremely dangerous. But Valtteri's lucky he, like, he didn't bounce off the front of the tyre and start spinning into the fence like Marcus Ericsson did. That could have been a lot worse. Also, there are no throw... Also, there are no throwback liveries at this Italian Grand Prix. So, yeah, it's definitely sigh. not like NASCAR. Sigh. <laughs> Deep sigh. But, uh, yes, quite right. And, uh, yeah, Verstappen, in for, again, like, I don't know why that was only five seconds when in the context of racing through most of the season, it's been ten for that sort of thing. But, hey, inconsistent steward in. Drink. Um, but, uh, yeah, five-second time penalty for Max Verstappen, which, which ended up being sufficient because, as said, it dropped him down two spots from third to fifth behind Valtteri Bottas and Sebastian Vettel, who ended up finishing in fourth 
after all the midfielders and whatnot shook out after the penalties. But as mentioned at the front, Lewis Hamilton took a uh, a what I like to call a body shot sort of victory. It was like a uh, it was Jose Aldo's liver shot to Jeremy Stevens a couple of weeks back. Um, that was a a painful one, I think. I mean, if you're a Tafosi fan, um, this one's going to sting. Not only did did, did Raikkonen lose a dogfight, but Lewis yeah. Hamilton drove a perfect race to win that. And that's what he's capable of these days. He drove he drove perfectly without having the car underneath him that he would have yeah. had in years past. Ferrari, on paper, should have won this race. They locked out the front row. Their car is awesome on high-speed circuits. We saw it in Belgium. They didn't come yeah, away with it. This, this is a this is a hammer blow. I mean, it's Lewis Hamilton's 68th Grand Prix victory. It's his fifth win at Monza. So, of course, the Tifosi love him um, for obvious reasons, um, for basically being the constant fawn in their side for the last half decade now. Um... <sighs> What can you say? It, it, it's it, it's a hammer blow to the Tifosi. I mean, the constructors, um, it's not a bigger blow where that's concerned, but that gap's now drifted out to 25 points as well on that one. But now in the main title race between Hamilton and Vettel, it is now 30 points uh, covering Hamilton and Vettel with seven rounds to go. Now, I put it out there on Twitter, and if anyone wants to disagree with me, feel free to chip in. I think seven needs five out of the last seven. I really do. Because the way I see it, Singapore might be the last real weak round that Merckx has left. Like, maybe Mexico, given how bad Verstappen dominated there last year, winning that race by 20-plus seconds in the end. But, like... I can't say with a clear conscience that Seb's going to go flawless for the next seven rounds, even even though the difference between this year and last year is that Seb genuinely has the best car underneath him this year, which kind of makes Lewis look even better right now because Ferrari keeps keeps hemorrhaging points, and they're not going to get away with this. Like, if this keeps up, they're going, they're going to gift wrap Mercs both titles. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing that you ideally don't want is this... Is if this is for this to come back close, be a way of uh, a poorly timed mechanical failure, or Lewis getting caught up in somebody else's wreck and being crashed out. Now, Trey, I do want to point out something since this is a weekend where Kimi Raikkonen is back in the headlines for taking pole position and damn near winning the race. Back in mm. 2007, after the Hungarian Grand Prix with six races to go, Kimi Raikkonen was 20 points back of the championship lead, which would be 50 points in today's championship money he then podiumed in every race and then won three of the last four up to win the championship by mm. a single point it is doable points points leads larger than this have evaporated into thin air at, at just a snap of a finger trust me i know that very well uh 2012 huh you know you know when fernando had a 45 point lead going into the summer break and uh it evaporated by japan yeah 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 yeah, yeah, but I, 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 I feel you on that. I feel you on that, bro. Um, yeah, like, like, I'm not saying that this is the end of the line. I'm not that despondent. Like, there is still a bit of narcotic throwing through me from Sunday. I think five out of seven. I think, I think he needs five of seven, realistically. To, to, I mean, five would at best, well, at, you know, 
Worst case scenario, winning five out of seven would put him five points in front. Possibly. Depends on how the other two plays out. But that's the problem, as I mentioned earlier. Lewis Hamilton doesn't make mistakes. He's a robot. He's going to get the maximum out of that car almost every weekend. Like, like Lewis doesn't have bad driving performances. Not really. Like, he, he does what he needs to do. And... That's probably why we should probably rate Rosberg's title in 2016 a little bit higher than I think we do in reality. Because think about how Rosberg, how hard Rosberg had to drive and how much he had to win. He had a gift in Malaysia of Hamilton's engine blowing up, and he Rosberg went from six wins to nine that season, and he still nice. just barely won that title, barely by the skin of his teeth. One more round, he probably doesn't win it. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I have a feeling it's going to go that way again, where I think just one silly mistake from Ferrari too many is probably going to cost him this title. And I think they have to tell Kimi to step aside now. I think if Mercs are telling Valtteri to step aside, Ferrari has to do the same. I do not understand why they put Kimi and gave him the toe for qualifying. I do not understand the logic behind that. And, and here's the, and here's the thing. Like, if this is if this is as being reported in the media, going to be Kimmy's last season with Ferrari, he's going out on top anyway. This is still the best that he's driven, even if he's not being given a chance to win. Yeah, he's still third in the drivers' championship. He's beaten Valtteri Bottas. It was it was, you know, in the mix for runner-up last year. He's the Kimmy is playing his role perfectly. If it, even if it's a pseudo number two role, Kimmy is. He's, for once is actually putting up his fair share of the points here like this is the best Raikkonen has driven since 2013 no question about that he's been consistent he's had nine podiums this season shame the, the win hasn't come and all of Raikkonen's bad days have mostly come from mechanical errors or freak accidents like we had in Bahrain Raikkonen has driven very well to his credit which is probably why he's losing his job next year it's amazing how that turns out in F1 isn't it Sup, Charles? Um, more on that in part two. But, um, <laughs> oh boy. But, uh, yeah, Kimmy is putting up his fair share of the deal, for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's frustrating because, like, Seb's going to need the help. And Valtteri is a very serviceable second driver to have at Mercedes. He's, um, you know, I think he's a little bit more keen to help out because he's not Nico Rosberg. And Rosberg was, I think, a bit better in these Mercedes circumstances as a driver than Valtteri has been. Valtteri's been more the victim of bad luck this year. Awful luck, I should say, really. Um, probably had two wins yanked out from underneath him already, that, and both ended up being DNFs. Um, you, you give Valtteri 50 points, he's right in this fight still, um, especially when you take points off of Lewis on the swing. But... Uh, yeah, I, I think Seb needs five of seven, and I think Kimi needs to, to, to get to stick his nose in it a bit more, at least. That that would that would sure as hell help the situation um, where that's concerned. Um, also, I want to get into this because this, this debate has kicked up a little bit as well over this weekend. I call it is Lewis this about booing. Yeah, yeah, this is about booing. Everyone's favorite topic in Formula One. It's Lewis Hamilton versus the Tifosi. Seconds out, round three. Um, yeah, like, it didn't help. And you know what? I said it before. Like, Lewis Hamilton is an anime character. It's like, <laughs> I've said it before. Like, I, I'm going to hit you with some late 90s anime references here, kids. So stand by for some shit. But 
I think in 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 Lewis Hamilton's mind, he's Yugi Moto, but he wants to be Joey Wheeler. Like he wants to be the optimistic underdog, despite the fact he's Lewis fucking Hamilton. <laughs> like you have sixty-eight Grand Prix wins and four world titles, and yet you want to be like, ah, oh, Team Hell H. We're in a snake pit this weekend. You know it's going to be hard. And he talked after the race about how he's going to channel the negative energy into willing him on for the victory. And I'm like. Lewis Hamilton is such a cringy anime character in yeah. real life. It's fucking he's ridiculous. He's basically he's basically John Cena from when he was <laughs> yes. the guy when he was the guy at the top of the country of the company and still being played up as the underdog. Yeah, it's like Lewis Hamilton. You're statistically the second most successful driver of all time. You are Seto Kaiba. Yes. That's like, he is Seto Kaiba, and he's just pulled his Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon on the table as we speak. And he's like, oh no, maybe I can still pull a victory out here. No! You have a Blue Eyes in front of you! <laughs> he's thinking he's, he's Krillin or Yamcha, and, and in reality, he's actually more like Vegeta. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. And I just, I can't stand it. It's like, okay... I put it on Twitter as well uh, on Saturday. I have given up the fight against booing because it, it's just going. It, it's just going to be the sort of thing where sports fans are going to do that now. It's just the evolution of you know sports fans in F1 and it, it's you know being a bit more like football. And I mentioned this point on Sunday, like. Both sides are as bad as each other on this. The Tafosi have always been this way. They will boo anyone who isn't driving red, except Nico Rosberg, because Rosberg was clever. He made him start singing Seven Nation Army instead, because he's a good boy. And it's impossible to dislike Nico Rosberg. Right, the difference here is that all these like Hamilton fans that want to get on the defensive saying that the Tafosi shouldn't boo, where were you motherfuckers when Sebastian won at Silverstone earlier this year? <laughs> where were you? I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I have receipts. I remember 2013. Anyone, anyone else remember 2013? Sebastian. Oh, it's like race after race of just boats. Yeah, 2013. I remember it for two significant reasons. Number one, British Grand Prix. Sebastian Vettel is leading that race by several seconds, right? Gearbox fails right on the, right on the home straight, right? Right in front of the main grandstand sarcastic cheers as Vettel is boot is just cheered as he as he lifts himself out of the car after being robbed of a race he was surely going to win and that Nico Rosberg would go on to win. Um and I remember that Silverstone one. crowds cheering misfortune of German drivers? No. Never heard of such a thing. No, it's ridiculous. No, it's, it's 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 a myth. Um and of course after multi-21, which may I remind everybody here, was Sebastian Vettel ignoring the team orders we as fans apparently claim to hate so much. He got booed for 10 consecutive rounds, and it wasn't until Martin Brundle had had enough at Singapore when he had the podium interviews. A race, if I remember correctly, Sebastian won that by 35 seconds after a safety car. He absolutely destroyed the field in that Singapore race in 2013, right? He completely whipped the field on that one, a, a performance that demanded respect. 
got booed. And then Martin Brundle was doing the podium. And if he's not distinctively remember him turning to the crowd and saying, no, no guys, that's that's not on. Like, you got to stop that. Like, like, and that's when the booing stopped. Because I think everybody in F1 just basically just had enough of it by this point. It was Ross Braun had spoken out against it. Nico Rosberg had spoken out against it. Jensen Button had spoken out against it. Vettel was made to be the biggest panto villain. He was labelled a sport killer in 2013 because he because he was winning so much he was killing the ratings. Like, where were you motherfuckers then? I have no ex like like there's no excuse. I, I I've said it from day one. Both sides are as bad as each other on this one, okay? I'm not saying that Lewis Hamilton doesn't have a point. He does have a point. I've not, I've never been a fan of the Tafosi booing anybody, right? But but the thing is that he's, he's only having this point now because it's directed towards him. Yeah, he's only bringing it up because he's the victim. If Lewis Hamilton truly cared about fans booing, he'd be talking about it at Silverstone. Instead, he was too busy running away from the Park Ferme interview. Um, <laughs> and, oh, by the way, it doesn't help, Lewis, when you're calling the Tafosi a snake pit on your Instagram page. You're calling anyone who boos you a snake. Um, hello? That's not going to help the situation. I'm just throwing it out there. Like, again, we got more pro wrestling in Formula One. I'm here for this. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, I, like I am not a fan of booing. There is nothing anybody can do about that. We as sports fans have this level of entitlement, paid our hard-earned money. You know, we have the right to boo athletes, and that's fine. If like that's your right, you've paid your ticket. I think it's disrespectful, but you know what? You're allowed to do it. So more power to you if you feel that way inclined, right? I and I've always I said it on Twitter where when I think one of one of my fans, I think it was Corner, Hi Corner. I know you're listening. Tweeted me saying, um, you know, oh, it's it's bad that you know where were these guys be when Vettel won in Silverstone? I said the same thing. Both sides are as bad as each other, and I think there is a level of arrogance and snootiness that comes with Formula One. And I think the reason they speak out about against booing is because we think we're above football. I've said that from day one because in football <laughs> that is absolutely common practice. You know that is. That happens every football game, and let's be honest, some of the chants are, well, for a lack of a better term, racist. <laughs> We've had many, many a list of issues with football fans coming out with chants that are anti-Semitic, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, also, racist, also, you know, it goes on and on. Yeah. I think we as F1 fans have a level of arrogance above football. I think that's why we speak out against Boost so hard, because of course... We look down on football as a sport because it's, they're not driving 200-mile-an-hour race cars, even though I reckon half of these people complaining actually probably really like football too. Like me! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's kind of like the, the image that Formula One, Formula One, the sophisticated, the gentleman's motorsport, the connoisseur's motorsport. The middle-class well, sport. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely not the sort of, you know, not the above the tawdry kind of stuff you see in North America where people will throw beer cans and garbage at the winning driver and boo the winner. You know, we're definitely above that. Definitely. Apparently. You know. That's that's the impression that I get. I always feel like, like you know, we as F1 fans often turn our noses up at football. And it's a class thing. I've said it from day one. Formula One is a sophisticated middle class sport for white people. And I don't care who people want to flag me up for that. That's exactly how it comes across. Motorsport's always been that way. And football is the more relatable working man's game. 
even if tickets now cost you a bump's wages. But still, you know, football has always been the working class game by comparison. So it's going to split people on this. And yeah, I'd like to see it stop. I know it's never going to happen. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. But Lewis Hamilton fanning the flames is certainly not going to help anybody. And he... I think he has to take a level of responsibility here. Because if, if you are truly speaking out against the Tafosi booing, go all the way with it. Tell your fans to stop booing whenever someone else that isn't you wins a race. You know, but that's never going to happen now, is it? <sighs> you know. Or, you know, just lean into it and start to work the crowd. <laughs> yeah, go full Nico Rosberg. You know, get, you know give, give, give him the Seven Nation Army chant instead. You know, that, that worked out beautifully. I mean, Rosberg was there this weekend for Sky Sports F1, and he was on the podium at one point, and the fans are all chanting Nico. Apparently, all is forgiven. Who would have thought it? <laughs> you know. All's forgiven when you either retire or lose. You know, the guy that was called a Nazi at one point. <laughs> because German. It's amazing how people, how short memories people can be sometimes. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna run down the race results now. There is a good reason for it, Wise, before anybody corrects me. So bear with me on this one. Of course, Lewis Hamilton wins by 8.7 seconds over Gimme Raikkonen in second. Valtteri Bottas gets bumped up to third of Sebastian Vettel fourth. Um, Max Verstappen in fifth um, with, with, uh, with the addition of the five second time penalty he got for contact on the track um, Esteban Ocon in sixth my god nearly 40 seconds behind Max Verstappen's Red Bull sigh but yeah Ocon sixth just uh, less than a second ahead of his teammate Sergio Perez once again racing point formation flying in sixth and seventh Carlos Sainz yeah, Perez coming up from seventh from 16th on the grid, my dude. Yeah, hell of a job. After penalties, he was 14th, believe it or not. But still, there's still a great comeback from, from Sergio to come back from 14th to 7th. Carlos signs in 8th place. Good drive for him for Renault. Lance Stroll gets his second set of points for the year in 9th place. And Sergei Sorokin gets a point for Williams. Yes! <laughs> Woo! Now that's worthy of busting out Moscow, Moscow. La 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 Hey! Yes, and that also is actually quite a significant moment in F1 history because for the first time ever, 100% of the grid has now scored points. Every All 20 drivers have scored a point this season. I know a lot of people were quick to mention 2005. Robert Dornboss was only a part-timer, um, and he did not yeah. score. So it's not quite the yeah. same. All the, all the full-time runners yeah. in 05 did score points because of that home race. Though, we do have yeah, to mention there's... why everyone scored points. Yeah, that's, uh, that, 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 let's just say a certain home race for two of my fellow podcasters on this show may or may not have uh, had a say in bumping some of the back markers up a bit. <sighs> you know the one. <laughs> um, but yes, for the first time in FN history, everyone in the field has scored a point. Barring until Robert Kubica comes back and, you know, just finishes out the season with help. Yes, of course. Um, more on that later in the season, probably, maybe. Charles Leclerc in 11th, Stoffel van Dorn 12th, Hulkenberg 13th tried an ambitious one-stopper by going to, trying to go the whole race on one set of soft tyres. Did not work. 13th for Nico Hulkenberg. Pierre Gasly in 14th. Marcus Eriksson 15th. Kevin Magnussen 16th after a contact with him early in the race. 
four DNFs, unfortunately. Well, three and one other incident, which I'll get to in a second. Daniel Ricciardo had a clutch failure. His engine went up in smoke. It looked like it was an engine failure, and everyone was re getting ready to point the fingers at Renault for their Spexy engine not working. Turns out it was it was the clutch. Um, Renault have basically turned heel on this Grand Prix weekend. Again, you'll see why in a minute. But uh, yeah, Renault was very quick to point out, no, it was their clutch, actually. Um, <laughs> so an another DNF for Daniel Ricciardo. What a miserable year he's having. Um, Fernando Alonso had an electrical problem. He retired on lap nine. Um, and Brendan Hartley, due to the contact with Kevin Magnussen, didn't even make it past the opening lap. Could somebody please yeah. give Brendan Hartley a hug? For the love of God. <laughs> yeah, the old uh, Marco Apicella special happening to Brendan Hartley. Hey, at least Brendan Hartley's going to be here next year. Probably. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, you're right. Um, are, are we forgetting somebody? Um, are, are we forgetting somebody? Sorry, I, I, I only mentioned 19 names. Oh, oh. Hang on. Yeah, when I met, which I meant, when I mentioned we need to mention why everyone scored yes. points, I was kind of hinting at both seasons. Yes, see, very clever, King. That was, that was a very meta reference of you there. Um, yes, I only mentioned 19 drivers in that rundown. Romain Grosjean was originally in sixth place when he crossed the checkered flag. He had a fantastic race. Ha yeah. However, Renault went to the stewards with a protest after the race had finished. They had apparently taken a photo of the new floor that Romain Grosjean was running, and Haas in general was running that weekend. And uh, the stewards and the FA looked into it, and uh, yeah, they'd found out the floor did not fit FIA regulations. And... Yo, they snitch. <laughs> Renault snitches on them. And Romain Grosjean is disqualified from the race result for an illegal flaw. <sighs> and the thing is, you can't say that Renault snitched Not really. Because... No. Not, not really. Because someone... To be penalized, you need to either be blatantly breaking the rules or someone needs to protest and the FIA investigates. The FIA had already notified Haas that they needed to make changes to their floor before this race weekend. Or, you, you know they'd be excluded because their floor would be illegal. And they still put it on Gros Grosjean's floor. Yeah, has When Roman Grosjean is... Yeah, when Roman Grosjean is on form, he can't even buy a break. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. That's the so, the so the technical directive uh, that they were in violation for was issued on July 25th. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were told, get your shit together by Monza. Apparently, I think Haas said that... Uh, we're at the mercy of our suppliers. Can you give us a squeeze till Singapore? And the FA was like, nope. What are you talking about? The law is right down the road, right, dude. Right, like, come on. <laughs> and even then, they knew they were running the risk of the car, but you found that legal. And you know what it's like? It's like playing motorsport manager and you take the upgrade that has the plus one risk of being caught. <laughs> and they got and they got caught. Um, so, and important to note that if that result had held up, Haas would have jumped Renault in the World Constructors Championship fourth. <laughs> that racing point is no longer a factor. For yes, this. indeed. So yes, as a uh, is this literally the case of the Peasants World Constructors Championship being decided? How can we disqualify our competitors? Yeah, no, this is turned turn <laughs> into a blood feud. Renault is out here cut pseudo snitching on Haas. Haas are saying they're going to block Force India from getting their prize money. It's a war. <laughs> it is. It's a war. And Racing Point are going to try and take as much points as they can off the other. Yeah, it's. 
and they might even catch it back up by the end of the season. It is un like if if for, if Racing Point had had their original points, so they would now be fourth in the constructors championship. This team really is the little team who could, and uh, yeah, it is it is crazy. Like, it is a bloodbath in in for the peasants championship. And what the intercontinental title feud is much better <laughs> than that for the universal title. The, the, Just like a typical episode of Monday Night Raw, the chase for the paperweight is still on very much on but uh grosjean dq'd for an illegal floor ass bush league you can do better than that um hey at least sergey got that point though yes god sergey <laughs> my son sergey sorokin needs more love he does indeed championship standings with seven rounds to go singapore next weekend lewis hamilton now has a 30 point lead in the championship and has now won three of the last four uh, he's starting to dial up those big results now look out everybody he's got he's on 256 sebastian vettel 30 points back on 226 Kimi Räikkönen in second place obviously now up to third in the constructors sorry, drivers again I should say on 164 um, ahead of Valtteri Bottas who is five points behind him now on 159 Verstappen extends himself in the Red Bull team battle which kind of is redundant because of all the DNFs at this point but hey who's keeping count um, Verstappen at 130 compared to Daniel Ricciardo's 118 Ricciardo has now had three DNFs in the last four rounds Sigh. No wonder he's leaving. Um, <laughs> in the chase for the paperweight, Nico Hulkenberg still has a three-point lead, but that's concerned due to his main rival, Kevin Magnussen, also not seeing any points. But look who's in ninth and tenth and close it in. Sergio <laughs> Perez with 46. Esteban Ocon with 49. They've jumped Fernando Alonso, who's still at 44. Yep, back-to-back -back DNFs. Fernando has now dropped him out of the top 10 overall. Oh, he just had he had a flight to Birmingham to catch. Yes. He had a flight to catch to Alabama. Yep, he's got, he's got an IndyCar to test. Um, God bless him. Carlos signs on 34. Pierre Gasly on 28. He's a point ahead of Romain Grosjean after the DQ. Um, Charles Leclerc on 13. Stoffel Van Dorn on 8. Stroll and Ericsson on 6. Stroll now ahead on countback due to that 8th place. Um, ahead of Marcus, whose best result was ninth. Um, Brendan Hartley on still just on two points, and Sergey Sorokin has a point for tenth place. The whole table has a, yeah. has points in it. It's a lovely sight. So anyone who had those sky Sauber Sauber from 2013 were vindicated. Yeah, anyone who had those sky bet early season bets on everyone in the field scoring points, congratulations, you just paid out. <laughs> Oh yeah! Beautiful. Get that money. Get get your bread, fellas. Get your bread. Constructor standings. Constructors championship. Yes. Mm. Mercedes on 415 points have extended their lead a little bit more on Ferrari now. It's now 25 points over Ferrari's 390. Uh, Red Bull on 248. It's it's it makes for miserable viewing seeing all the all the strings of. DNFs next to one of their cars. It's an ugly sight. Um, but of course, they're a million miles ahead of Renault, who's clinging on to fourth for dear life at this point um, with 86 points compared to Haas in fifth on 76. McLaren still on 52. They've not scored points since Hungary, believe it or not. And climbing up the board rapidly, Force India um, with their new racing point. It's racing point. It's racing point, Force India, whatever. Um, but yes, the, their sixth and seventh has now put them up to 32 points. They've overtaken Toro Rosso into seventh place, and they are gunning down McLaren at a rate of knots. Only 20 behind now on 32 points. Toro Rosso in eighth on 30 points. 
Um, Sauber in ninth on 19 points, and Williams, despite that by a country mile their best weekend of the year, uh, with both cars in the points for the first time this season, they are still 12 points off and moving up at all with seven. Have your best weekend in Formula One all season. Still front runners for the Flappy Award at season. Uh, it's 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 a it's a it's a sad sight. It is a sad sight. RJ, I will let you take this next bit because uh, we're getting into the Formula Two section here now. And uh, yeah, well, yeah. Before we get to uh, yeah, before we get to that, of course, next round Singapore. Mm. Next weekend. Um, that's always fun. Now it's time to jump into NXT TakeOver, Brianza. Yay. Yay. <laughs> yeah. So out of qualifying, uh, everything looked about as uh, bot standard as you could get it. Um, out of qualifying, we had championship leader George Russell on pole for the feature race. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Sergio said a camera was set to start second until he bogged it down on the grid. And uh, way down in the further back in the field, the gentleman that I have somewhat of an attachment to from my days in covering Super GT, uh, a rookie named Tadasuke Makino, whose name is never pronounced right on Formula 2 broadcast. Makino? God damn it, Alex Jakes. It's Tadasuke Makino. So, the first time he entered my field of vision was back in a Super GT test for the upcoming Suzuka 1000 kilometers, and he was quick right off the get-go. He could have won the GT300 class in that mother chassis Lotus at Suzuka before his gentleman driver, co-driver teammate Kazo Takashi binned the car early in his stint, a car with no traction control that's really not suited for gentlemen drivers who are over 60 years old, but I digress. Then Honda who are Makino's main sponsors, decided to give him a chance to drive a GT500 car because Oliver Turvey was going to make a clean break and go to Formula E full-time. In, a, in his first race within a GT500 team, for what was then a terrible year for Honda, mind you, where they eventually would not win a race, on a track that Makino had never driven, he comes within .33, 33 one-thousandths of a second of taking pole position. Uh, when he could, when he admitted that he couldn't get the most out of all of his tires, and then goes on to finish second and becoming the youngest GT500 podium finisher in history, I say that to say that you know, for somebody who has struggled in the European ladder to Formula Three for the last year and a half, mostly, I mean, up to this point, what was Tadasuke Makino's highlight of his European excursion? Was it him being the first real-life case test that the Halo works when Kazumi yeah. climbed over the Probably. top of him? It's either Pro- that or his podium in Spielberg and Formula 3 and the race that Lando Norris uh, crashed out of, preventing him from d- getting an early clinch. Oh, yeah. Or breaking his wrist at the Norris ring. Or having so many reverse grid take pole positions taken off of him. Uh, the speed's been there. The luck hasn't always been. So, to my surprise, as I was waking up and feeling absolutely exhausted, I get up and check in on the Formula 2 race, and I see that Tadasuke Makino is 40 seconds ahead of the field. Yeah, and it should be noted that up on, up until this point in the season, Makino is he's not even been higher than 6th place. Yeah. 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 He started 14th. He was, he was one of the few drivers that 
took the alternate strategy of starting on what was effectively the prime compound. The media only three guys hard. did. Yes, only yeah, only three guys did. Any it was him, Ralph Boschong, and uh, Dorjan Bokalashi were the only Dorian three guys. Bokalashi, yes, yes, and. Uh, by the end of lap one, he was already up in eighth place. And by the end of lap five, he and Artem Markolov did a position swap, and now he was in the lead of the race on merit and pulling away. Yeah. He takes his pit he was stop. Gone. He takes his pit stop. He's still ahead of Artem Markolov. It's a little bit close at the end, but Tadasuke Makino wins the feature race at Monza in what I can say on the record is probably one of the biggest upsets in recent Formula Two memory, yeah, to have a, to have Machno win the race in such a fairly dominant fashion in a For Russian time one two yes. from 14th on the grid, <laughs> he entered this race 17th in the championship. Yeah, it is ridiculous. Um, one of the drives of the year. I was watching that like. With my jaw on the ground, it was an like it was just magnificent drop to get up the field. I mean, that's where he was. That's where it was going to be won or lost. How quickly could he get up the field? You know, um, and that's exactly what he did. And the the way he did it with such poise and brilliance, and then doing what he had to do to hold off, you know, Markov, who we all know is a damn fast driver and an excellent tire manager as well, um, to do that to come out just in front by a couple of seconds. Um, and win the race. One of the drives of the year for me in any class this year. That was super impressive. Um, an, an, an amazing performance from uh, from, from Tada, as he's, as, he's, as he's nicknamed in. Tada! <laughs> that was going to be our episode title if the Monza race turned out to be a flop. <laughs> yeah. Turns out it wasn't. Bad luck, fellas. Um, that was actually the best Italian Grand Prix you've had in years. How about that? Um, but uh, yeah, Tada takes one of the most shocking victories i think in he's in, the first in japanese history. driver to win a feature race in G- in mainline gp2 slash formula 2 history wow. kobayashi's wins all came in the asia series nobuhara matsushita only won sprint, sprint races. races yeah yeah that was that was something and you know from what i had seen of him as he was coming up the ladder getting that call up as a teenager in super gt um i shouldn't have been surprised but man, what a what a great thing to see! Out of all the things that have happened in this Formula Two season, where we got, oh yeah, we got Le- Norris versus Russell playing out on track. That happened. That for the first time all season, we had a proper dogfight between George Russell and Lando Norris, and there was blood. <laughs> it was great. Uh, I put oh, on. Tw- that was- I, I put it on. I put it on Twitter. I was like, I want an Avengers level of civil war between these two, and my God, did we get it? They beat the piss out of each other. It was, <laughs> it was great. It was so great. It let Alexander Albon back into the fight. Yeah, it was great. And like at one point, like Russell literally ran Norris two wheels on the grass, like in 2011 between Vettel and Alonso at the Curva Grande, all over again at 190 miles an hour. Um, it was right on the limit of what you'd call just good hard racing. Um, no Paul Tracy, but um, <laughs> between the two of them, and it was a fantastic fight that George Russell did eventually come out on top with um, on on that one. But uh, a, a tremendous bit of race. 
racing from you know, I said on Twitter if if that is the future of British motorsport between Russell and Norris like that we're in very safe hands because that was um, some fantastic driving from those two Alex Albon drove uh, a very know, good unless, race uh, some, someone's team you know decides to just mismanage his career as they've had a no habit of doing but we'll get into that in the next episode mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're like I was the future once yep <laughs> <laughs> Let's not deny the Alex Albon hype train could still very much be a thing, even if Toro Rosso are saying that he's not going to drive for them next year. You idiots! What are you doing? Um, but uh, yeah, in the sprint race as well, we had the sprint race on Sunday morning, and uh, yep, back at the front, his fifth win of the season, George Russell, um, for the for his first win since bloody Spielberg in the feature race. There, it kind of feels crazy. Russell's gone that on that much of a dry spell since then but uh yeah pretty much led from start to finish Markov tried a few moves here and there but for once Markov could not find a spectacular pass in him to get past George Russell on that one so Markov takes a pair of seconds ahead of Russell's fifth win of the season and Sergio Sete Camera finally gets a good bit of luck by finishing on the podium in third because he, 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 he didn't mention him in the feature race but Carlin still had mechanics on the grid within 10 seconds of the restart oh yeah yeah. Of the formation yeah, lap, that, yeah. Uh, that set him back. Yep, yeah, so as a result, they didn't even wait for the stewards. They knew what was going to happen, so they, they put him straight in the pit lane for a pit lane start instead. And he'd, he'd eventually come back to finishing seventh from the pit lane, which is an impressive drive in its, in its own right. Um, but uh, yes, uh, unfortunately, uh, Sergio Sete Camera could not catch a break to save his life. Um, but a nice third in the sprint race for him there as well. Nic- Nicholas Satifi in fourth. He was in that leading group for a good while there. And Lando Norris in fifth which yeah with that swing now with just four races to go in the Formula 2 championship remember they're not racing again until Sochi and then after that they don't race again until the Ass Marina for the season finale in Abu Dhabi so only four races to go in this championship Russell now has a 20 as a 21 22 point year, 22 22 point yeah year. with with 92 points available yeah because uh, remember in uh, Formula 2 it's four points for pole position and two points for fast lap as well so it's a bit more finicky than f1 per se but uh yes 92 points available uh actually 94 when you take in fastest lap for the sprint race yeah yeah so yeah so exactly so yeah 94 um but yeah 22 point lead for russell over norris alex albon still with an outside chance on on 170 he was pretty unlucky in the sprint race he had a he had a engine management problem i think the engine was cutting out every time he put it in third um not ideal so albon had got a, his first DNF since Paul Ricard um, on that one to sadly uh, put him in a DNF and now we'll probably you know it's going to be a reach for him to get back in the title race given he is now 43 points behind George Russell um, and Nick DeFries had a really bad weekend of only only scoring two points in the feature race the free four one out for Nick DeFries yeah Prima was not all hit. the talk of of McLaren Juniors uh, past and present that are in the news this weekend <laughs> Nick DeVries is a forgotten man. Indeed. It's uh, not ideal, to say the least. But, uh, yeah, that's probably put DeVries out of the run. He's dropped down to fifth in the championship now on 155 behind Artem Markolov's 160. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen it as well, feature race, definitely worth a watch. Good fun up and down the field. Like, like as Henry pointed out on Twitter, um, less like lower-engine-powered cars and Monza actually works. Who'd have thought it? Damn right. Um, Damn right. 
And yeah, um, just uh, tying a bow as well on GP3. David Beckman won his second straight feature race. Ever since he swapped to Trident, he's been astonishing. Two feature race poles and two feature race wins. Spy and Monza back-to-back. And Pedro Pique won from Giuliano Lacey, which prompted WTF1 to meme on Twitter, and then Will Butston to to put them on blast shortly thereafter. <laughs> I did see that. Um, hang on, I'm going, I am going to find this tweet because it deserves to be read out. Um, from our, our lord yeah, and savior, so, Mr. Buxton. So, so from the start, uh, so from the start, it's just like your bot standard. PK wins from a Lacey. What year is it? And then <laughs> just replies, actually, it's 2008. Actually, it's 2018, buddy. Um, because, uh, Nelson PK and John Lacey didn't race all that much. Yeah. But, you know, as, uh, as meme connoisseurs and pedants, you might know that already. Yep, here's the full tweet in question. It says, what year is it? And he goes, 2018. In their F1 careers, PK only won three races that Lacey also entered. The Frenchman scoring no points on either of the two occasions he actually started the race. But as a site of globally acclaimed meme pedantry, you knew that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, cue back, cue back and forth banter about uh, Aru's rattle on, Ooh. or call it by its Christian name, Turn Four. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a boner just reading that tweet out. Oh God, um, damn. <laughs> also, I love that the first reply from that is Luke Smith with a laughing gif because I know for a fact they have copied off Luke Smith before. Oh, it makes me moist. Um. This is, just like, just like, wow, just so good. Oh, oh, savagery. Oh, and Antoine Hubert still leads the GP2 championship by 29 points over Nikita Mazepin and Calvin Lila. Yay. Didn't I look at the squadified? Um, both Islet and Hubert got disqualified from the sprint race. Doesn't matter. They're still first and third. In the <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> it means nothing. <laughs> They're that far ahead. They're ART, the <laughs> ART are still putting the beat down on GP3. Trident is also making an appearance. Yay. Yay. Oh, God. But, uh... In, in, okay, thank God they're not problematic news, uh... Ryan Tavider, the other Ryan from New York, oh. finished 11th and 16th the race weekend at GP3. He's a Ryan from New York. <laughs> Great, you know he's now part of he's, he's now part of the family because a friend of Ryan from New York is phone, a friend of mine. Hold the phone, though. Tatiana Calderon got her best finish of the season. It sits in the sprint race. Woo! Yeah! Go, Taddy! Yes, go, girl! Yeah, that's awesome. Ah, awesome indeed. And I think on that note. We are done with part one. Uh, we are indeed. We came in at a very nice 117 there. Very smooth. But uh, yeah, places you can find us real quick before we get out of here. Um, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101, at harrison101hd, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell for our personal handles. Um, we are on Patreon if you want to back us financially. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five loads gets you access to both this show and bike live episode 76 will be out later this week we'll be probably talking a little bit more about this this, this shit show from silverstone bsb news 
We're trying to get Greg Haynes on it. Cross your fingers. Maybe it might happen. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not sure. Like, I know Lewis is working on it. Bless him. Um, do your best, Lewis. I know you can do it, my man. Because um, Greg Haynes is the nicest man on earth. He really is. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, it'll be a quick chat, five, ten minutes, and it's a 45-minute interview. God bless him. I love that man. Uh, but, uh, uh, yes, that, that'll that be all there. Episode 76 as well. It's, again, we're going to have to try and shithouse this one because there's no bike racing this week. Um, none. Not until next weekend when it's... Uh, I should take that back. It's a preview because it's MotoGP at Misano as well this weekend. Uh, Rossi Homeland. Fun times for all involved. Um, so that should be fun. Um, so we'll probably be pre- pre- previewing that as well. The week after that, World Superbikes is back at Portimao. Great track. Um, so... Uh, yeah, looking forward to that as well. Um, of course, if you're back at the $10 level, you get access to my Discord server, just like uh, Brian, Cam, and Jason are all doing right now. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, and again, check us out on our website, motorsport101.com, um, where you can check out a brand new written piece from RJ O'Connell talking about ta-da and how he got to his first epic Formula 2 victory. Catch you back here for part two, episode 159, where we talk all about IndyCar's return to Portland and wrap up all the news in motorsports. Until then, I've been Andre Harrison, they've been Ryan King, and RJ O'Connell. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys in a bit. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. You are the world champion! But that that was the most like awkwardly delayed king I'm going, yet. I, I'm trying to just keep going more and more awkward. <laughs> Yes, by the time we get to episode 200, he's going to say bye like three minutes later after the post credit scene. <laughs> How meta is that going to be? It's going to be like that last track on the album where it's just like, why is this 25 minutes long? <laughs> <laughs> the song is only four minutes, and then it's just like 20 minutes of silence, and then it's just somebody yelling, fuck! Yeah. <laughs> that, that was me watching the Italian Grand Prix this weekend. <laughs>